believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Right there, he, he's like, I'm going for this. He had the adrenaline, the endorphins, everything. He's like, he's like, I'm going for this. I'm the king and I'm going for this. And in the end, what a price he paid. He paid such a heavy price that a generation later, his son Solomon, who had endless women at his command, who led him astray, the wisest man that ever lived, he wrote all these proverbs about the adulterous woman, how her lips drip with honey. And you can apply that to men. So when women are tempted with men, there's things about men that tempt women. Just think of the Song of Solomon as, as she, the Shunammites looking at her prince. It's like she's thinking like that in a good sense in Song of Solomon. But when women are unfaithful to their husbands, they look at men like she was looking at her prince in Song of Solomon. And there's so many warnings in Proverbs that Solomon wrote. And he would have, his mom was Bathsheba. His mom was the, the woman that David slept with lost a child with, had her, her husband killed in combat, and then he married her, and by God's grace, he had Solomon. It is an amazing story of grace, isn't it? Like, for pure lust to end up with Solomon in this amazing story. Don't you love reading Proverbs? When I reload my Bible every two years to reread it, I love to read Proverbs. I haven't listened to Pastor Chuck teach the whole Bible, but I've, I've listened to him teach all the Proverbs. Because what could be better than Pastor Chuck teaching Proverbs? Like, that's a really good combination of his life experience that he had. But Solomon was the son of Bathsheba, and he wrote about the adulterous woman in chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. And he basically said, she'll reduce a man to a, a, a crumb, a, a crumb. And that's what she'll do. In fact, the key is it says that the man should always be enraptured with his wife. And if our marital relationship speaking mostly to the men right now, is based upon a, just a true friendship. When you're younger and you're in love, you got a lot of passion going that's physical. And rightfully so. God designed us that way. That's actually a good thing. They were never sure about me when I taught youth camp. I'd be like, hey, you guys that love these girls, you think they're hot? That's good. That's a natural desire. That's a natural passion. That's the way God's designed you. But it still needs to be tempered and submitted to the Lord. If you suppress natural passions, you'll get unnatural passions. You need to recognize that. But it still needs to be subject to the Lord. And you have to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. That's the bottom line. What Paul said to the Corinthians, we take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. And when David did not look at Bathsheba and take that thought captive, we always say it's the second look that's the killer. He took the second look. And then men just don't think straight. They don't think straight. It talks about her, her appeal, her enticing words, and like honey from her lips. And men just don't think right. 
once they're checking out, they're checking out. They're sons of Adam. And no matter how strong and wise and smart we think we are, every man is capable of a great fall. But let me say so is every woman. But if we love our wife in a, that friendship way, and you, you, you need that friendship as a foundation, well, you need the common faith as like the ideal foundation, because we always talk about this, like, so if it's a triangle, and here's the, here's the husband, because he'd be on this side, and here's the bride, she'd be on that side. And as they grow together in the Lord, they're getting closer. So as long as the husband and the wife are growing together, they're going in the same direction, getting closer. But if they're not going in the Lord, they're linear, not, they're, they're horizontal, not vertical in their relationship. Then they're just like this. They're just two dimensions, and they're, they're linear. They're pulling away. But if you're both going upward in faith, because marriage is always a step of faith, and if you're both growing in the Lord, you're going to grow together in the whole journey. And it really should begin with friendship. And ultimately, when you look at the elderly, when you see like people in their 80s holding hands, isn't that the best sight? Isn't that the most beautiful sight when you see like elderly people like holding hands? Just like that's so rad. It's the best. That's a great ending. That's the ending I want to have. My grandfather, Fred, my dad's dad, and Esther, they were married 60 years. I did, the, I did the ceremony for their 60th wedding anniversary. I've got the gold plate that says 60 years. The plate's this gold that gets left in time, space, and matter. What's a plate of gold compared to 60 years of being married together and a life shared? Not to mention he served his country in World War II, and his son served his country in Korea and Vietnam. So it's, it, it's, it's a legacy. And we want our marriage to be a legacy. To be tempted is very common and not unusual, especially in the challenging times that different marriages can go through. You know when you lose a child, they say like 95% plus of all marriages where you lose a child, they get divorced. When we lost our son, the, the nurse told my wife, you're probably going to be divorced within a year. And said that she actually said it was like 99% of all people that lose a child get divorced because they don't know how to grieve together. You know, people grieve differently. For me and my wife, it just brought us together in an amazing way, as well as me and my father in law, because it was his first grandson as well. And suddenly we became the best of friends when he didn't really like me much before that. And we always very close to the end. When you think of Brian and Heidi Jameson when they lost Trinity to cancer at the age of 10. We were there. It was all here. She used to run on the stage. Many of you were at the memorial on December 4th, years ago at Big Calvary. And you see Brian and Heidi, how close they are in the Lord, how much they love the Lord. It's beautiful. If you want to get divorced, there's never a shortage of reasons to check out on faith and faithfulness. Just be Adam and just be Eve. But if you want to have a strong journey and a strong finish, you're going to keep building that friend. You're going to keep building the faith and keep building your friendship. I really like rom-com movies, romance comedies. I do. They're, they're clean. I don't feel bad if I watch them. Or, I feel, or like you watch all the superhero movies. I always feel like you're stupid after watching the superhero movies. Like, who watches this stuff? Like, this is like a, what a waste of money. So when you get older, like, I like the rom-coms because they're usually built upon, like, friendship. And by the way, like, Korean rom-coms are the best because it's all honorable. It's all about friendship. You say I like you for, like, two years. And you, you, don't, you don't touch. You know, it's, it's all emotion. It's like relationship. 
And God's been reminding me, like, when I watch stuff like that, when you learn a culture and a language and you watch foreign movies, you don't watch the French rom-coms, just so you know. Uh, they have a little different worldview how they do things in France. But the Korean ones are very safe and very clean and very good. The Russian ones aren't bad either. The whole world and all cultures have an opinion about how men and women come together in a relationship and how they treat marriage and one another in marriage. So you can watch enough Russian movies on Amazon Prime or Japanese or Korean or French or any culture. Like, it's amazing what's out there. And you can see how they treat people and how they view romance and relationships. And a common thread that I see in most societies is the necessity of friendship in a relationship. And if you truly love your spouse as your best friend, and you have faith in Christ underneath that and above that, you're going to be fine. And you're not going to want to hurt the person you love because they're your best friend. That's the journey. I used to say enjoy the journey before anyone else did. And now I just say share the journey because the journey is not much fun by yourself. Well, it's okay with the Lord, but two is better than one in a threefold cord. It's not easily broken. So we guard our hearts and minds and we sanctify them to the Lord. And then the divorce element is connected to this parenthetically. You know, so like Jesus said, what's it profit you if you, you know, like you just take every thought captive, you're better off losing an eye and losing a hand. And that's, of course, hyperbole, but the idea is like guard your eyes and guide your, guard your hands. Just keep your hands to yourself and be enraptured with the bride of your youth and love her and love him. Have that faith, have that friendship, have that intimacy, and be strong in the Lord. And enjoy the journey as God's defined it and meant it to be. And divorce, it happens. Many of you here have been divorced. I'm sorry. I'm sure it was very painful. However, it came about. Mutual, you, them, divorce is painful. My mom's, watching my mom go through her divorce was unbelievable. It's just hard to watch. They say divorce is more painful than death. You can't change yesterday. There's nothing we can do about that right now as a whole. But we can do what's right going forward, which I always say when we teach on marriage. I don't ever want to stumble anybody, but it is what it is, and whatever the past is is the past, and the future is the future, and we want to be all that we can be in the future as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 33, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's actually verse 37, but it's, that passage starts with 33. So again, you've heard it said, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform it. In other words, this is the truth. This is about telling the truth. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yes is yes, no is no. We don't need to swear on a stack of Bibles or this or that. Let your words be credible and absolute. Now, it says that there's no shadow of turning with the Father of lights. So God doesn't, he's not yes and no, right? All the promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. We sing the song, yes and amen. So as we think about it, since we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, which we studied last week, and since Jesus always keeps his word and there's no shadow of turning, we're not going to be perfect but we definitely want progress. And you find in life, and I'm speaking to the younger people, the longer you live a life 
where you value the credibility of your words as high or higher than anything else in who you are in personal character, it'll serve you really well. You will advance with God. Because to him who has, to her who has, more will be given. So if a young woman or a young man, you've been faithful to keep your word before the Lord, he'll give you more. And in the workforce and in relationships, when you're faithful to keep your word and you say this and you do that, even when it's hard to fulfill that and follow through on that, you gain equity with God, with man, with humanity in time, space, and matter. And you you gain credibility. You gain value. When you speak with people who are very successful in business, they run businesses, they have many employees, it is so challenging and so hard to find just one person that's on your payroll, that is faithful to their word. And when you find that person, you take very good care of them. I've been blessed to have quite a few of them. Jim O'Connor back in Vermont, such a faithful man to his word, to this day still serving the Lord now in Virginia Beach. Brian Jameson was amazing as my right-hand man here, first five years. Jeremy Foster, incredible man of integrity. All the pastors we have here, the deacons, they're all incredible men. Their wives, incredible women. They're people that can be trusted. You know, I never worry about sound or anything because we have Ryland, we have Fred, and we have Chris doing this stuff, and they're all faithful to their word. When you don't have a good sound guy and you're starting a church and you're running a church, let me tell you, you don't sleep well. Like, you gotta have the sound. If you've got sound problems, it's a, it's a major issue. These guys are faithful. These worship leaders, I know they're going to show up and they're going to do their job. They're going to be prayed up. They're going to be ready. They're faithful. I want to be faithful. And I want to surround myself with people that are faithful. And I tell you, when you're faithful to him or her who has, more will be given. And the real world, we've always, t- always tell our kids, show up early, do the job, and keep a good attitude. And if you can't do the job, try and understand why and at least let your boss know that you couldn't do the job and why. Those are just so valuable. The integrity of our words is so critical that people can trust us in marriage, in relationships, in the community, with sports teams, with dance teams, with drama. Like that, that we have to be faithful. We, we make commitments and you count the cost and you make the commitments and you keep the commitments. And now more than ever, our whole nation is in a, a lurch because all these people don't keep their commitments in the church. How many people are accepting government aid saying they couldn't get their job back when they could? That's a lie and that's not true. Driving to Melbourne Airport with my sister three weeks ago in Vero Beach, Florida, she was talking about how all these co-workers from Macy's, none of them went back to work because they make more money staying home collecting unemployment than working near, nearly minimum wage to go to work at Macy's. And we know you can, all these places are trying to find work. Everyone's trying to find work, employees. We have five people go down here to Rubio's two weeks ago, and the guy says, we can't serve you. It's too many of you. It's going to take us 45 minutes to get your food. That's madness and insanity. And when I was driving with my sister, she was talking about at Macy's how they can't get the people to come back. And she, when she went back to work and she got all the paperwork to receive unemployment, 
because she was on it for the beginning of coronavirus. But then by June, they offered her job back and she went back. She goes, Joey, they're going to pay me less. And if I stay home, I go, go back. Because when they really need management people, you're going to show up, you're going to move up the ladder because you answered the call. And it's the right thing to do. Well, that was a year ago, and now she's in Florida, and she worked at Macy's in Melbourne Beach, and now she's at Home Depot in Vero Beach. And she said that the few months that she was working at the Macy's in Melbourne Beach, that it was a, like an epidemic problem with people who were offered their jobs back, refused to take their jobs back, and then lied to the government saying, I wasn't offered my job back. And my sister said something very innocent and very pure that really ministered to me. She said... Joey, I hope when I get to heaven that maybe it gets recognized that I, I did go back to work for less money than the people who stayed home. She goes, because there's a lot that's not going to get recognized in heaven. I go, yeah, it's like sports. You know, it's like a, it's like a Boy Scout or Girl Scout, you know, the brownie badge or whatever, like a merit badge. I go, you know, Barbie, I'm pretty sure there's something like that in heaven. Either way, you're not going to look away when Jesus is talking about it in the kingdom. You won't have to look away like, oh. <laughs> you won't have to look away. When we sign contracts, when we say we're going to pay for something, we need to pay for it. When we're a head football coach and we say we're going to sign for play coach for three years there, coach for three years. I mean, John Wynn, the great coach, he took the job at UCLA. He wanted to coach at Minnesota, and he had both offers when he was at, at Indiana State, the Sycamores there in Terre Haute. He had both offers out there, but the offer for Minnesota was supposed to come in at 6 p.m. that night, and that was his preferred job in the Big Ten, and he did not get the call, and so, but 6 p.m., he took the job with UCLA to the great unknown, and then at 7 p.m., there was a blizzard, he got the call from Minnesota, offering him the job at Minnesota, and he said, no, I've already committed to UCLA. That's the kind of integrity we're talking about that we need with yes being yes and no being no. And look what happened for him. He came in was a teacher at UCLA for almost 20 years before he ever really won anything, and then he won 10 national titles in 12 years, and he's still the greatest basketball coach of all time. A man of faith and a man of integrity. Every time I see these coaches that are going to coach here and then they go from here to here and here, it's like, how do even people function like that? One of the reasons I didn't do so well as a coach of Olympic surfing is athletes make commitments to surf for us in international competitions and they just bailed out. I'm like, nah, that's not how I roll. Our kids knew, even if you're playing on the baseball team that never wins a game, and we had both boys play on baseball teams that never won a game in seventh grade. You never quit. And you play hard, and you run hard at first base, even if you're being mercied. And the other team switch hitting to keep the score from being 40 to 3. You still play hard. And we taught that to our kids, and that's the character of Christ. Well, my sister had to make straight off her bad debt that she defaulted on living on the streets for years. I got involved. I was her advocate. I'd call up these people. Let me just tell you, I think most of you know this. People are very happy to settle. People are very happy to settle. Part of something's better than all of nothing. So people were happy to get, you know, Barbie owes $1,500 for this thing, a just default here. And they're like, would you settle for $600? Absolutely. Checks in the mail. Or here's the card. Use this card. People appreciate when you want to honor your word and make things right. And to me, this is so critical that our words have the credibility. On the wedding day, the contract with the bank. And if you lose things, let it not be because you didn't give 100% of your very best effort to honor your word. 
And the only exception to this is when honoring your word is sin. That's the only exception. And that can happen sometimes. We're trying to honor your word, put you in a place of sin and compromise your faith. That's where you have to make your yes, no, because you're saying no to sin. You always say no to sin. So we need to put that there with a little asterisk. That can happen. It's very rare, but that can happen. Where you made this commitment and then it turns out this way and it's definitely sin against your conscience. That's where you, you have to switch that yes to a no because they kind of debate and switch on you. But yes is yes and no is no. And then what you find out is when you're 60 and you say yes, everyone knows they can trust it. And you say no, everyone knows they can trust it. And last but not least, we have the, the last mile. And we'll wrap it up with this one. This is, you've heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we know from studying the law that this phrase in verse 38, the idea behind this in the law was to restrain us from getting, like when someone does us wrong, we don't want just to do them wrong back. We want to do them wrong plus one and one like basketball. Like you did me wrong, I'm doing you wrong and one. We want to add to it. Thus things escalate. It goes tit for tat and it escalates. So really in the original law of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, the idea was is that it was restraint. It's restraint that what they inflicted on you is inflicted on them, but doesn't go past that because otherwise it, just keeps, it never ends. It's like a war in the Middle East. It just never ends. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Not to resist. Whoever slaps you, turn the cheek. Turn the other one to them also. If they see you, just let them take it. And if they compel you to go a mile, go two miles. This is one of the hardest passages in the New Testament. Wouldn't you agree? Now, I would put an asterisk on this loaning part. I'm not sure exactly what Jesus meant, but I know this. The Bible tells us that as a whole, the word of God, the totality of the word of God talks about the danger of loaning money. I don't really loan money. I give money or I choose not to. But the church is never a savings and loan. And Joey Brand's not really a savings and loan either. I want to be a generous person. I'm going to give it to you or I'm not going to give it to you. These are a collective group of thoughts. So not to resist. In other words, like someone does this to you, you just let it go. So really it talks about, it's really the idea is avoiding conflict. Like just not, just like not escalating a bad situation. Now this is different than the murder. This is a different thing. Just like just someone riding you, your boss riding you. Someone just, your relatives just riding like, you know, do this, do this, do this. And well, it's like Cinderella, right? Cinderella, Cinderella, like Cinderella, wash the floor. Cinderella, clean this, do that. Just like, you know, so Cinderella, wash the floor. And Cinderella's like, you know what? I'm going to wash the other floor too. I'm not going to let my stepsisters and my stepmom determine who I am and change me from being Cinderella. Make sure you're true to being Cinderella. That's the idea. But it's hard to turn the other cheek. And it's hard not to resist an evil person, but it's in your own best interest. And again, I I go back to this thought I shared earlier. Our time, our energy, and our resources all belong to the Lord. So whatever anyone takes from us, if we let the character of Christ be manifested in our life as a result of that and how we react to that, that's building equity with the Lord and God will honor that. It's never about the money. And we can always know there'll be perfect justice in eternity. It's really about letting go and not being tripped up and filled with bitterness. If we truly trust in the Lord, which is a lifelong journey, to say the least, but if we truly trust in the Lord, we will learn how to turn the other cheek and hold our peace. That goes back to the meekness that we studied in the Beatitude. Like, bam. Isn't it always cool in a movie when that happens to someone and they keep their composure? Like, there's just something about keeping your composure and not having to... Any fool can rage wrath and retaliate. It takes 
a spirit-filled woman and a spirit-filled man to just, you know what? We don't. A soft answer turns away wrath, Proverbs tells us. And the wrath of man produces not the righteousness of God, the book of James tells us. This is a hard one, and I agree with all of us. This is a very hard one, this go the second mile. But for you personally, for me personally, it will always produce good fruit in our lives when we do, as unto the Lord. Which is the thought there in Colossians that whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men, and your Father in heaven knows and will reward you for it. So it's not external, it's not religious, it's internal, the heart, it's relationship. We're going we're gonna to make it right before we get to the judge. We're going to leave that gift on the altar. We're going to take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. We're going to stay away from that second look. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to honor our commitments. We're going to honor our word. We're going to keep our yes as yes. Our children are going to trust it. Our grandchildren are going to trust it. Our neighbors are going to trust it. The citizens of our community are going to trust our word. Because we're the light of the world in Jesus' name as unto him. And when those people slap us, they'll be quite surprised that we don't slap them back. Our life is in the Lord's hands and we trust in the Lord. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.